The Productive Woman, Episode 325. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Well, welcome and thank you for joining me. This week, we're going to talk about some things that I've learned this year about the most important traits we need to be productive and make a life that matters. You'll find more information and links to some resources I mentioned in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 325. This episode is brought to you by Calm. 2020 has been quite a year. And I think we could all benefit from less stress and more sleep in our lives. It's so important to take care of ourselves and invest in our well-being during times of anxiety. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later in this episode. But that's why I'm excited to partner with Calm, the app designed to help you ease stress and get the best sleep of your life. And when you relieve anxiety and improve your sleep, you feel better in every part of your life. Well, Calm has a whole library of programs designed for healthy sleep, like soundscapes, guided meditations, and over a hundred sleep stories narrated by soothing voices like Stephen Fry, Kelly Rowland, Laura Dern, Kate Winslet, and others. I have used the sleep stories many times. I've mentioned that I have trouble sometimes getting to sleep, sometimes trouble staying asleep. And using these sleep stories has made such a huge difference to me. They're they're really well done. Uh, in the interest of full disclosure, I have to admit, I've never heard an entire sleep story because every single time I have fallen asleep before the story ended. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. It's a, a great resource for those of us who struggle with getting good sleep. Over 85 million people around the world use Calm to help take care of their minds and get better sleep. And if you go to calm.com slash TPW, that's C a-L-M, calm.com slash TPW, you'll get a limited time offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of programming, those sleep stories I mentioned, guided meditations, and so much more. Get the Calm app and experience a transformation in the way you sleep. Like I said, for listeners of the, the Productive Woman, Calm is offering that special limited time promotion of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash TPW. That's 40% off unlimited access to their entire library with new content being added every week. Get started today at calm.com slash TPW. Once more, that's calm.com slash TPW. Okay, so this week, I want to talk about some traits or characteristics that I think are important to us as productive women and men, but 
you know, to, to be productive in the way that we want to be. I have been thinking a lot lately about all that's happened this year, both personally and globally, and what it has meant for my ability to be productive in the ways that I want to. 2020 has shaken us as individuals and as a society. A lot of us have had to rethink our priorities, reschedule, revamp our lives, uh, even rethinking our identity because the things that we've done and the, the way we've lived our life has had to change to accommodate the pandemic and other things that have happened this year. All of that upheaval and, and the difficulty has really brought to the forefront of my mind some fundamental personal qualities that I think are incredibly important if we want to be productive and make a life that matters. And I wanted to share some of those. Uh, these are things that I've been thinking about over the last couple of months in particular. I, I'll be real interested to hear what you think. If you agree with these qualities or this, these personal characteristics that I've kind of landed on as being really important, uh, or if you have others in mind. So we'll talk about that later. So the first one that I thought of, and this is something that has been on my mind all year, uh, something that I think we as individuals and we as a society need more of in order to be truly productive and make meaningful lives, you know, a life that matters. And that's kindness. And as I often do, I looked up the definition of the word and the, the dictionary that I consulted said, kindness is the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. You know, there has been so much conflict this year. There are disagreements at all levels of society, both, you know, locally and within families and, and nationally and, and globally. B disagreements about the pandemic and how to handle it. Disagreements about uh, social justice issues, uh, uh, the, the rioting that's happened in the United States and other parts of the world, disagreements about the election and how it should come out here in the United States and how it did come out and all the things, the disagreements that continue as I sit here today, natural disasters that have created conflict as to the cause and how best to take care of people in situations like this. All these things happening at once in a, a most unusual year. And what I've seen is a lot of finger pointing, a lot of blaming, a lot of condemnation of the others. It seems like we have lost the ability to disagree without condemning the ones we disagree with as being either stupid or evil or both. And it's been on my heart for months, the, the way we talk to each other on social media in particular, but in the news and everywhere. And it's at all levels of society that this is going on. And, and maybe it's normal in times of crisis to look for someone to blame, to defend our position by dismissing those who disagree with it. Uh, it it's almost a self-preservation. If I'm right, you must be wrong, and I have to be right in order for me to be okay emotionally. But we can get lost in the anger and the blaming and the condemnation and suffer because of it. We suffer individually. We suffer as a society because if we are condemning each other and dismissing each other 
uh, we lose the chance to work together to find solutions. And to me, that's kind of a fundamental need in order to be productive individually and as a society. I think we need kindness now more than ever. We need the ability to to give the other person the benefit of the doubt and simply think in a kind way and communicate in a kind way. We can still disagree, right? But we don't have to be ugly and hateful in our disagreement. So I think kindness is so important, that quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. All those things become important if we want to be productive as individuals and as a society. I I found some quotes that I just thought were, you know, worth pondering as we think about the importance of kindness. Uh, Lao Tzu has been quoted as saying, kindness in words creates confidence. Kindness in thinking creates profoundness. Kindness in giving creates love. All of those things are important to making a life that matters. Don't you agree? Another quote that I thought was so important, so interesting, came from Lady Gaga, who said, I've been searching for ways to heal myself, and I've found that kindness is the best way. I think that's so profound in so many ways, that in a day and age when there is so much anger and anxiety and uh, just you know, woundedness among us as we've all suffered through so many things together, being able to be kind, to extend kindness to others is a path to healing the wounds that we are suffering ourselves. And Henry James finally is quoted as saying, three things in human life are important. The first is to be kind. The second is to be kind. And the third is to be kind. I won't belabor this, but I I just think it's really important for all of us to think about this. And it's something that I've been considering in myself when I'm thinking about other people or in, in situations, whether it's someone I disagree with or someone I've just met, is what I'm thinking kind? Is the way I'm acting toward this person kind? And if not, what do I need to do about it to develop in myself that quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate toward other people, those I know well, and those that I've never met. So kindness, I think, is the first quality that I've learned through this unusual year is incredibly important. The second thing that I've learned is so important during a difficult time is self-care, which I think kind of qualifies as kindness to yourself, right? Being friendly, generous, and considerate of yourself. One writer notes that when you're stressed, it can be all too easy to neglect your own needs. Losing your appetite, ignoring exercise, and not getting enough sleep are all common reactions to a crisis situation. Instead, this writer says, focus on building your self-nurturance skills, even when you're troubled. This quote comes from an article called 10 Ways to Build Your Resilience. And I'm going to talk about resilience a little later in this episode, but it was a great article. And I will have a link to this in the show notes. I encourage you to, to check that article out. The point is that when you're under stress, 
it's easy to set aside taking care of yourself, but it's actually even more important to take care of your body, your mind, and your spirit. And that is a lesson I have learned out of this very unusual year. I mean, it's something I thought I knew, but as we've all suffered in different ways during the course of this year, it's become so at the top of my mind, how important it is to take care of ourselves. Just the basics, you know, adequate rest, which is hard for me to get, which is why I love Calm so much, uh, even if they weren't a sponsor, because it helps me get to sleep uh, and it helps me sleep better. So adequate rest, healthy food, uh, regular exercise, even just a 30 minute walk each day. I was watching a video on YouTube. I'll try to find a link to put in the show notes of a doctor talking about the benefits that we can get from a 30 minute walk each day. And he recommends um, taking a walk after your biggest meal of the day. And there are physiological reasons why that's important. All these things are so important, eating things that are good for us. And you know what? having a little treat now and then. All of that is part of taking care of your body. But also self-care involves guarding your heart, um, taking care of your mind. And we'll talk about that more in just a second. But what what you read or watch or listen to matters. And I have really tried to be careful about that this year because there is so much, as I said earlier, so much anger out there in the media and in social media and just everywhere that I've had to be really careful about what I take in for the, for the sake of my own, um, mental and spiritual health. And so it becomes so important to do that. It's always important, right? But it's especially important during times of crisis, like we have been living through, these past months. And part of self-care, I think, is finding what brings you joy. Taking time to think about that. What brings you joy? What activity? What what person? What, you know, what event? What what is it that brings you joy? And how can you make space in your life for that? Uh, Jean Shinoda Bolin, who's a doctor, a psychiatrist, a Jungian analyst, and an author, has said, when you recover or discover something that nourishes your soul and brings joy, care enough about yourself to make room for it in your life. So I encourage you to do that as part of making a life that matters, as part of being productive, take care of yourself tend to the basics for your physical health, take care of your mind and find and make room in your day-to-day life for those things that bring you joy. So that's the second thing I've realized is so important as a result of the lessons I'm learning from this very unusual year. The third one is how important mind management is. And this is a challenge for me when crises occur. My mind goes a hundred miles an hour down the wrong path, down the most negative possible path when a crisis occurs, when something unexpected and, and potentially negative happens. I have to work really hard to manage my mind and continually remind myself to do so. And 
we've talked about this in lots of episodes. I can refer you once again, as I have many times to Brooke Castillo and her, the life coach school podcast. There's so much good information there and practicable information about how to do this, how to develop the skill of managing your own thinking and why it's important on that podcast and in the work that she's doing. So I encourage you to check that out. But the things that I thought about, uh, you know, that I kind of wanted to share in this episode on this, the importance of managing your mind are kind of two things. One of them is honesty, being aware of what's true about myself, my circumstances and other people, recognizing when when you're taking in information or your mind is going down a road that might or might not be true. Again, whether you're thinking about yourself or about your circumstances or about other people. Uh, and, and this takes some skill being honest and aware of where your mind is going and figuring out how to deal with that negative or catastrophic thinking, which is where my mind goes when bad things happen. It's all the way down the road to catastrophe. And one tool that's really helpful in those circumstances is, is practicing what, um, Byron Katie calls the work. And, and I'll put a link in the show notes to her website where she talks about what she calls the work, but it's questions you ask yourself where you isolate a thought that is in your mind. And you ask yourself four questions. The first one is, is it true? You know, so when you're thinking about someone else, oh, that person's an idiot, or you're thinking about yourself of, you know, I am a failure or whatever thoughts you might have about yourself, about your circumstances or about other people, ask yourself that, you know, you've, you've isolated one thought and you ask yourself, first of all, is it true? The second question you ask is, can I know for sure it's true? And I'm paraphrasing this, so I do encourage you to check out her website for how uh, the process that she recommends. And she has a worksheet that you can uh, download to, to kind of go through this process. So is it true? Can I know for sure it's true? Because our first reaction is, well, of course it's true. I know it's true. Well, do you know it's true? And I always like to think of this one is, could you prove it in a court of law? What, you know, is there incontrovertible evidence that it's true? And one way of knowing where, you know, if something is true is, does it, would everyone agree it's true? Uh, does everybody think you're an idiot? Does everyone think you're a failure? Or is that just a thought you're having, you know, or whatever the thought you're, you're processing through the work? Can I know for sure it's true? The third question is something along the lines of, how do I feel when I believe this this thought? Because remember, the feelings we have, although I grew up believing that other people make me feel certain ways, I have come to understand, and partly this is through what I've learned from Brooke Castillo and from others, is that the way I'm feeling is a direct result solely of what I'm thinking about and how I'm thinking about it. So whatever this thought is that you're processing, if you're, you know, or if I'm having a, you know, catastrophic thought of the world is going to come, come apart. How do I feel when I believe that? And then the fourth question is, who would I be without that thought? If I didn't think that, 
if I wasn't, you know, pondering this thing about that person or about myself or about my circumstances, who would I be in the world? And there's more to the work than that, but those questions are so valuable for me to go through when I find myself, um, you know, rehearsing negative thoughts. So honesty and awareness of what's true about myself, my circumstances, and other people, and doing that work of managing my thinking. And the other piece of mind management that I'm finding really important these days is kind of an offshoot of this, but intentionally turning my mind to what I have instead of what I've lost. This year, it's been really easy to to think about the things we've lost, the events we couldn't go to, the things that were canceled, the relationships we couldn't develop, the, you know, my household, I was just thinking about this again the other day. I've talked about how, um, our, our three days before our younger daughter's wedding, the governor shut the state down and the big wedding we had been planning with 150 guests and, you know, all the things that she had wanted could not happen. And I, not only could it not happen, we couldn't get any of our money back that we had paid for it all, but that's a separate piece of it. But still, I I was thinking about this the other day and, you know, kind of feeling sad that we had not been able to do what she wanted, but I could instead turn my mind to what we have. We were able to scramble around in three days and have a much smaller wedding here in our home. And she was so happy and she is happy, happily married. And and that's what we have. And it's better to think about that than what we lost. And so those are two components of mind management, which I think is even more important these days. It's always important. But one of the lessons I have learned out of this difficult, unusual year is how important it really is day by day by day to manage our mind. As a component of that or another personal quality that I think that's important for us uh, to, in order to be productive in all the senses that we want to be, both getting things done and making a life that matters, is optimism, a willingness to see past the difficult present to envision possibilities for the future. So important. And I'm not suggesting that we pretend bad things aren't happening, that obstacles don't exist, and that setbacks don't occur. But we can, if we develop a sense of optimism about life in general, we can look past those things to envision something better around the corner. And if we do, we are more likely to be productive in the sense of getting the things done that are important to us and in the sense of making a life that matters. If we believe we can endure those bad things, that we can overcome those obstacles and that we can make progress despite setbacks, then we'll be more likely to brainstorm and pursue new approaches to come up with ways to keep moving forward. And so developing that quality of optimism doesn't mean you ignore the bad things but that you develop an internal strength, an internal ability to see past what's difficult now, not to ignore it, but to see beyond it, 
and know that there are better possibilities for the future. One article I read said research shows that optimism can prevent depression, increase social connection, boost performance on the job, increase success, and make you more resilient in the face of setbacks. Optimism is incredibly important and never more so than during the kind of year we've had this year. So that's number four of the the qualities that I have learned as a result of this challenging year uh, are important for us to be productive. Number five is flexibility. The ability to regroup and find a new plan or a new approach when obstacles or things beyond our control derail our plans. This is something that has been so hard for me in the past, and I still struggle with it because I'm a planner. I have a vision for how things are supposed to happen and what life is supposed to look like. And, you know, we're going to do this and then this and then this. And when I when we lose it, when, when something gets in the way and I can't do that, that thing, the plan can't go forward the way it is. I'm stuck. It's hard for me to picture any other way to, to, to be, or any other way to get where we were going. And so learning to be flexible has been an ongoing task of mine. I think it is so important to have a vision for our future, to have, to set goals and work toward them, to develop a plan for how we're going to accomplish the things that are important to us. But the pandemic and the other things that have happened this year have taught me how important it is to hold our plans loosely. So we're not devastated when things get in the way and, and so that we can adjust our plan and our approach when we need to. Um, flexibility has become so important as we've had, you know, we've had to readjust a lot of us, my law practice, the firm that I'm a partner in, we, we have worked remotely. We've worked from home from the beginning. So we didn't have that adjustment to make, but I know I have lots of lawyer friends and lots of people in all sorts of professions who, had to readjust on the fly to a different way of working and a different way of getting things done than they had ever known before. I know that you may have have had to readjust your life and your work because of schools closing and needing to educate your children from home. So many things have changed and and the the way we've always done things hasn't worked as well this year for a lot of us and developing this quality of flexibility of a willingness to kind of regroup and find a new way to, to get to where we want to go. To me, this kind of flows out of optimism. If, if we have a, an ability to foresee or to envision something better than where we are right now. I think it helps us to be more flexible and to regroup when things fall apart or the plan is not working and find a new way to do it. So we develop our plans. We, we set goals. We have this vision for where we want to end up and how we want to get there, but we have to learn to hold that loosely so that we can start again and envision another way, come up with new ways to get where, where we want to go and accomplish what we want to accomplish. 
And number six on the list, and this is the last one, although I know there are others, uh, the, the sixth quality, I think that's important to be productive and make a life that matters is resilience. Um, which is defined in one dictionary as the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties or toughness. And this, if, if I've learned nothing, uh, this maybe I've, I've bookended this list with the two most important things. I think kindness, developing kindness and, and cultivating kindness is probably the most important thing we need to do these days, but resilience is a close second, that ability to recover quickly when things go wrong. One article says psychologists define resilience as the process of adapting well in the face of adversity, trauma, tragedy, threats, or significant sources of stress, such as family and relationship problems, serious health problems, or workplace and financial stressors. As much as resilience involves bouncing back from these difficult experiences, it can also involve profound personal growth. So resilience is that process of, of adapting in the face of adversity, including things like a global pandemic that uh, threatens us in physically, our, threatens our health, threatens our economic well-being, our jobs, and everything else. Developing resilience is so important, especially in times like this. Um, I've found several really good articles that talk about how to develop resilience. And I will link to those in the show notes and I encourage you to check those out. But the same article that uh, I just quoted a moment ago about how psychologists define resilience, uh, that article also identifies four components of resilience and kind of goes into, um, much more detail about it, but four components of resilience or developing resilience that this article lists are build your connections. So they, they say prioritize relationships. Those strong connections help us to be resilient, to bounce back from difficulties. The second one they say is to foster wellness, both body and mind. And I thought that was so interesting because I literally found and read this article, you know, half an hour before I sat down to record, I had already completed my outline and my list of the, the things that I've been learning. Um, and then I found this article and I thought, well, that's interesting. I already, the, those are the things that I've been learning. So yay, I, I'm hoping that uh, I'm developing some resilience. So foster wellness body and mind, so important to being resilient. We, when we are not well physically, emotionally, or spiritually, it is hard to recover from adversity, isn't it? Number three in their list is to find purpose. And they kind of talk about different ways of, of finding purpose, helping others, being proactive, taking action toward your goals, but find a purpose that will help you and know what your purpose is that will help you to be more resilient. And the fourth one on their list is, uh, again, echoes what we've already talked about, embrace healthy thoughts. So they encourage us to keep things in perspective, accept change, maintain a hopeful outlook. There's that optimism again, and learn from your past. So I, I do 
encourage you to check out this particular article. All of the articles that I'll link to in the show notes are really helpful, but this one in particular, it's called Building Your Resilience. Had a lot of really good um, actionable ideas in there for helping us individually to develop resilience. And if we as individuals develop resilience, then we as a society will be more resilient and more able to bounce back from the the crises that affect us all. So those are six qualities, skills, characteristics. I'm not sure, you know, what you would label them that I have come to believe are very important to us in being productive, both in the sense of being able to get the things done that are important to us and in just making a life that matters. So it's kindness, it's self-care, it's managing our minds, it's optimism, flexibility, and resilience. This year has been, I, I think I can say, I probably have said before, the most unusual year of my lifetime. And many of us have felt like our plans were derailed and, and we're, we have floundered a bit to figure out, okay, who am I if I'm not doing this or where do I go from here? But there are lessons to be learned from the crises and the struggles. And if we take time to think about it that way, to identify the lessons we've learned and the qualities that have helped us to recover and to move forward, then we can take something good from a very difficult year and move into the new year as stronger, more resilient, and more productive women. And so those are my thoughts about this, but I would love to know what you think. What lessons have you learned this year? What has uh, come to your mind as being the most important qualities or the most important things to keep in mind as a result of what you've personally experienced this year. I'd love to hear what those lessons are for you. Um, you can share your lessons learned or your thoughts on this topic in the comment section of the show notes for this episode, which you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 325, or post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page. If you are a member of the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, I'd love to continue this conversation there. Please feel free to share what you've learned or your thoughts on, you know, am I off? base on the, th- the, the six things that I've identified here. Do you agree, disagree? I'd love to hear uh, about it in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group. Uh, and of course, as always, if you prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, I'd love to, to interact with you. You can email your questions, your comments, your suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. And, uh, I will, I promise I'll get back to you. I don't always, I can't always respond immediately, but I do read every single email and I do respond. Um, I would appreciate it if you would help spread the word. If you're fi- if you find the productive woman podcast to be helpful or encouraging, maybe you could help me expand our community. Tell a friend about the podcast. That's the way most people find the podcast they like is from recommendation by someone they trust. You can share an episode, this one or any other by using the social sharing buttons in the show notes. 
uh, and consider leaving a review in Apple podcasts or, you know, where, wherever you listen to podcasts, I want to say a special thank you to a couple of people who recently left very kind reviews of the podcast. Um, IMS 186 from the United States recently said, love this podcast, um, says I recently discovered this podcast and have been enjoying listening to both the most recent episodes and some right at the beginning. I especially like the interviews and getting first person accounts of how other people deal with various kinds of responsibilities and pressures. The show makes me feel like I'm not alone in the things I struggle with, which is incredibly comforting. And I, I'm so encouraged to hear that because that was the whole reason I launched this podcast six years ago, so that we could all f- share experiences, share ideas, and know that we're not alone. Uh, Jacob SOP from the United States said two thumbs up for this show. I really enjoyed Laura's solo episode about living a a well-lived life that matters. Loved how she included authenticity because that's one factor that has been overlooked most of the time. So thank you, Jacob, for that, those kind words. I appreciate the feedback. Quick reminder that I am right now putting together the Productive Woman Mastermind Groups uh, to start in January to kick off 2021 strong. Uh, As a reminder, uh, these groups meet for one hour a week for 12 weeks, no more than five women in each group, plus me as the facilitator. These are paid mastermind groups um, so that, you know, you're investing in yourself to help identify and achieve the goals that are most important to you. So the, we meet one hour a week for 12 weeks, supporting and encouraging each other and identifying and pursuing those goals that matter most, brainstorming solutions, holding each other accountable. As I said, they're paid mastermind groups. You can get more information, some audio testimonials, and the link for the short online application on the Productive Woman website at theproductivewoman.com slash mastermind. Groups will start meeting uh, in the first part of January, and they are filling up already. So don't wait if this is something you're interested in. Uh, submitting the application does not obligate you. You, It's just uh, gets you kind of on the radar and we can ha- then I can give you more information about how the groups work, what the cost is and all that sort of thing. Uh, and then you can decide whether you think it's a, a good fit for you. So that again, that's at theproductivewoman.com slash mastermind and um, check it out. If you would like help in addressing anxiety and improving your sleep as part of your self-care, remember that Calm is offering a special limited time promotion of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash TPW. That's 40% off unlimited access to their entire library of guided meditations, sleep stories, and so much more with new content being added every week. That's calm, C-A-L-M, calm.com slash T-P-W. And thank you so much to Calm for supporting the productive woman and for helping me manage my thinking and get better sleep. 
And that's it for this episode of The Productive Woman. As always, thank you for spending this time with me. I hope you felt like it was worthwhile and you you found something in it that's helpful to you. I look forward to hearing from you and to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace and kindness to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter.